Blog Talk Radio. Good afternoon, tennis fans. Welcome to the Yellow Ball Network, where you'll find today's tennis discussions. This is your host, Coach Denise, exploring tennis blessings and its effects on life's journey. Tennis is a wonderful sport, which could be the vehicle that takes you through life's journey. And our mentors, well, they might provide that roadmap for your journey. For the last five-plus years, I've been blessed to be talking with mentors who have paved the pathway for many tennis players and coaches. Who are these mentors you will hear on our Thursday's broadcast? Well, the Almighty will in at least once a month. You will continue hearing either Dr. Alan Fox or the legendary coach Chuck Rishi. Other mentors sharing their knowledge on Thursdays have been coaches like Ashley Hobson, Bobby Palis, Dr. Bryce Young, uh, Coach Ed Crash, Johnny Angel, Nick Saviano, Scott Williams, Energy Coach Linda LeClaire, and others. Besides these coaches sharing their knowledge, you may also hear other college or high school tennis coaches, or you might also hear USTA, uh, PTR, USPTA heads, as well as leaders from tennis and racket sports organizations. Because I do believe Dr. King, when he said our lives begin to end, the day we become silent about things that matter, each week you will hear my biased views on North American tennis and life. I would like to thank Yellow Ball CEO J.P. Weber for hosting the program in our network. Of course, the nice thing about Block Talk Radio is you can listen any time you like to any of the programming on the network. That's the great thing about Block Talk Radio. Besides our Thursday conversation, the Almighty Willing, you will be able to continue reading my articles in Florida Tennis Magazine. And as I have previously stated, if you disagree or want to comment, please email me at coachdenise.fhstca at att.net. That's Coach D-A-N-I-S-E dot F-H-S-T-C-A at A-T-T dot net. Who knows? You may read your views in Florida tennis or hear them on a future broadcast of Coach Denise Exploring Tennis Blessings. By the way, if someone has taken the last issue of Florida tennis from your pro shop, or you're not a subscriber, and this is a good reason to be a subscriber now. Many of our pro shops, unfortunately, are not open now. Hopefully, they will be pretty soon. Uh, but if you're a subscriber, uh, you'll get your email, your um, I'm sorry, your magazine in the mail. Uh, of course, you can always read the last issue of the magazine by going to www.floridatennis.com That's www, capital F in Florida, capital T in tennis.com Or in between issues, you can read Jim Martz, uh, mine, and the other uh, writers uh, occasionally on Facebook. That's uh, capital F, capital L, tennis capital F, capital L, Tennis, on Facebook. We do try to keep you uh, notified what's going on between issues of the magazine, and uh, I suggest you go uh, to our Facebook uh, page, and you'll be able to keep up what's going on. We've been especially busy with the last uh, couple months, uh, who knows what's going to go on. Unfortunately, uh, 
This uh, problem is not a problem uh, for uh, just the USA. It's a worldwide problem. And uh, if we're going to have tennis and when we're going to have tennis, uh, uh, we're going to find out pretty soon, I guess. But Well, let's go to uh, my commentary, uh, Coach Cindy's commentary for April 23rd. I asked a question, uh, the almighty Willen, uh, will it will still be a good year. I believe it will be. Uh, I think if we make it a good year, it's going to be a good year, so it's up to us. Okay, let's go with the commentary. I suspect we are all ready to get back on the tennis courts. But if we have our health, it is not the only advantage of the COVID-19 isolation that we've been in. Most of us have built new memories or rekindled old memories with our family, and hopefully you've continued to keep in touch with your clients. We often remind our players of the importance of recovery. This was a good time for us to learn other ways to keep in shape without the use of our local gym. Uh, it was a good time for recovery. Uh, Bobby and I spent time enjoying our parks and beaches while walking and uh, reconnecting with old friends and helping them with business problems uh, became part of what I did for previous years and what I've done again, and I was reminded of an old proverb that giving is better than receiving. I suspect many tennis organizations felt the same as me and, and they, while they were continuing our values of supporting others. I suspect most took advantage of the PTR uh, USTA Florida section, USPTA, Florida Tennis Magazine, and other organizations' online support. I'm especially proud of the Florida tennis pros who shared some of their tips on their Facebook pages. It was a good time for sharing. It was a good time for reminding uh, people that while the tennis courts are important, and we're all looking to get to them, uh, there's other things we can do. This was a great time to evaluate what you did last year, to make decisions on what adjustments you might need, uh, further education maybe, and support was needed to improve, what support would be needed to improve your performance when you did return to teaching. So it's, if we use that time properly, like we tell our uh, players to do, it should have been a rewarding time anyway. Spending more time with family had to be a blessing. We will not soon forget. Like me, I suspect you enjoyed being able to spend more time with your family. In our case, which meant more time on the phone with some of them because many of them are out of uh, state. But the passion for tennis is burning inside and you are now ready to return. I believe remembering this experience will make us all more appreciative of what we do and hopefully more prepared to go back to what some call work. I pray the next time we communicate that you are in good health and better prepared to serve. It's your advantage. Of course, the views expressed might not reflect those of Block Talk Radio or Florida Tennis Magazines or their advertisers. They're my biased views. One of the nice things about no longer being in the Marine Corps or uh, being uh, on the police department is that I don't have to claim to be apolitical and uh, I, like everybody else, I am a biased person and I'm allowed to express my biased views now. Uh, 
those days in the Marine Corps and those days on the police department. Uh, I never understood why you had to claim you had no biases, but I was not never one of those people. So as I state every week, the views you hear are my biased views, uh, right or wrong. Uh, I share them. I do listen to yours. And like I said earlier, if you disagree with any of my uh, comments in Florida Tennis Magazine or on the broadcast, contact me. Uh, if you're willing to sit down and discuss it, uh, I'm, I'm more than willing to do that. And you might be surprised. You might read your views in one of my Florida Tennis Magazine articles or hear them uh, on uh, Coach Denise Exploring Tennis Blessings uh, Hang on, I think I see our guest here. Dave, is that you? Yes, it is. How are you, Coach Denise? How are you? I'm doing well, thank you. Just uh, sitting here in a, in a quiet uh, office space in, in Arizona. Uh-huh. Well, yeah, a lot of us, we were just talking about that. A lot of us are doing that. We're anxious to get back. Uh, and it will come, but I think if we use that this time properly, uh, we'll receive the rewards. And I do. Uh, I know I'm an optimist, but I do believe we're all going to be better people for it. Let me introduce you. I haven't introduced you uh, yet. Uh, those of you that don't know, uh, Coach Dave Mullins is the managing director for community engagement, and coach empowerment. Uh, He's a former All-American who represented Ireland in the Davis Cup play. He's a former college coach who now shares more information on college tennis and the opportunities uh, to play uh, tennis. So uh, I think what we've, uh, David, spent good time in because we've been recently talking a lot about college tennis, uh, high school uh, tennis, and uh, where it is going and if it's going anywhere. And uh, uh, so I'm really appreciative of you taking the time now uh, to sit there and be on the uh, broadcast. Uh, Maybe you could just uh, tell me a little bit uh, about uh, you know your background uh, a little bit more than I just put there, mm-hmm. and how you ended up working uh, for the ITA. Sure. Well, thanks a lot for for having me on the show, Coach Denise. I really appreciate it. And uh, yeah, it's been uh, it's been a journey to to the ITA for sure. I grew up in in Dublin, Ireland, and. Uh, like a lot of uh, young Irish uh, promising tennis players, there's there's not a lot of opportunities to continue your tennis over there after the age of 17, 18. So a, a lot of my friends were, were going the road of, of uh, trying to get a, a scholarship over in America. And um, I followed in their footsteps and ended up at Fresno State uh, in California. And had a, an amazing experience there for four years playing under Coach Michael Hegarty and um, fell in love with with college tennis and uh, college athletics in general. I just was blown away by the by the the facilities, the resources, the fact that you had you know a coach and an assistant coach for for a team of, of eight to ten players and and uh, my tennis uh, improved dramatically and and so I played a little bit uh, uh, professionally afterwards and uh, got a few ATP points up to about nine hundred or so in the world and played some Davis Cup for Ireland. Um, but but knew that my 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 future was in in the college game. I, I didn't really have much interest in in coaching at a, at a club. I mean, I had worked at various different uh, clubs in the summers and things like that. But um, I didn't want to work in an academy or with a pro player. I just was so taken by uh, working in a team environment and and uh, working on a team culture and just having uh, a, a handful of players uh, to uh, to focus on. So. 
Um, I got my break with DePaul University and spent a year there coaching the men. Um, they weren't paying me a whole lot of money, and myself and my wife, uh, or my wife, became pregnant with our first child. And I had a decision to make: was I, was I staying in, in college tennis? And fortunately, Northwestern um, had a great uh, position. Their assistant women's position opened up, but they had a lot of opportunities with summer camps and year-round clinics where I could make a, a very good living uh, to be able to support my family. So I stayed in it. Uh, it was three years with Northwestern. My final year, we were we were number one uh, team going into the NCAA tournament. Uh, and based on on that uh, success, I became the head coach at the University of Oklahoma and spent eight years uh, in Norman, Oklahoma, coaching the team there. Um, and after you know, kind of into my mid thirties, I I, uh, I felt like I wanted to pivot into more of an administrative role in in the world of tennis. That um, I was kind of getting a little burnt out on the travel and missed my family a great deal, and uh, just felt like I couldn't justify it anymore. So I I looked to get more experience in kind of the business side of tennis, and and that's when uh, a club, uh, Fitzwilliam Lawn Tennis Club in in Dublin, Ireland. Some of your listeners might might know it's it's one of the oldest clubs in the world. They created a new position, uh, which is the uh, uh, director of sports, uh, so I was overseeing coaches in tennis and squash, the gym, the swimming pool, uh, fitness classes, all the rest of it, and um, got three years' experience there. Sat on the board of uh, directors for the Irish Tennis Federation, um, and, and was involved kind of in the, the you know many areas of tennis, and that's what led me back to the ITA. My experiences, uh, both as a coach and as an administrator. Uh, put me in a, in a strong position um, to be one of the finalists for for this role at the ITA and, and ultimately was successful in being offered the job and arrived here last August. So that's my life in a nutshell. Well, a very interesting one. We're going to talk more about Dublin. Uh, at 80 years old, uh, I did marry a young uh, wife, but uh, she's... Um, uh, not that much younger, and she's Irish, and her family is around Dublin, and we're looking to head there. Mm. When's the best time to be there? Uh, July is, is definitely the best month. If you can get there July, August, maybe early September, it's it's uh, just the days are, are long. You know, you've got those, uh, this, the, <laughs> it's not getting dark to uh, you know, 10, 30, 11 o'clock, um, you know, you have better chance of, of getting some sunshine and some, some higher temperatures. And it's just a, a glorious place to be in, in the summer months. But uh, in the winter, it's it's kind of dark and dreary. So definitely uh, err on the side of going in the summer if you can. Yeah, well, we definitely uh, will. I don't know if we were thinking of it this summer, but, uh, uh, you know, truthfully, we... <laughs> I'd have to re-examine that. I don't know, but it's, uh, I, I know I can't wait forever. An old friend of mine, yeah. uh, Tom Farham, uh, you probably don't know him, but he was uh, went into the ITA uh, Hall of Fame. Uh, oh, I did in 2007 with Melinda uh, Washington and Todd Myron, and uh, mm. I forgot who, who else, and uh, he was... Uh, you know, he uh, ran one of the colleges in North Carolina, much older, and he's written a few books and that uh, mm-hmm. I like him. But he's talked about college tennis, and he's uh, not always complimentary. But the ITA, uh, I suggest, is a little different now than when he was uh, uh, there. Mm-hmm. Can you tell us a little bit about uh you know, what you see, the ITA, how we came about, you know, this, uh, you know, Tennis mm-hmm. for America program uh, and everything. Uh, I, I, in my own mind, I do question is, you know, is tennis in college going to be more recreation or competitive? And, uh, mm-hmm. you know, being a competitive person, I used to believe that's the way to go. Uh Today, truthfully, at my age, I have more questions than answers. So <laughs> I mm, used to be a lot yeah. smarter when I was younger. But, uh, <laughs> can you give me a little insight on uh, what that yeah. is about? Sure. I mean, the the 
the ITA um, has has really grown a lot in, in the last several years. So, so uh, I, I'm sure you know David Benjamin and, and the great work he did for the establishing the ITA and and um, bringing it so far. You know, it's just uh, incredible how, how it's evolved uh, over the years. And, and uh, I mean, I think back to I mean, I started my college career in, in the late '90s. Uh, and to see where the ITA now is in, in 2020. I mean, the staff has grown. We have a staff of uh, about uh, 14 full-time employees, two part-time staff. I mean, we're, we're definitely not the, the USTA or the ITF or anything like that, but it's kind of grown in the last decade from three employees to, to 15. And, um, you know, some of the areas that, that putting a lot more attention to is, is – uh, the, the marketing and communications of, of college tennis. So, um, you know, in terms of social media, obviously social media is, is the, the big uh, form of marketing these days. And, and uh, the, the, the ITA had some catching up to do in that area, but now we've got, you know, uh, social media accounts with, with all the various uh, platforms out there and, and, and a very big following. Our website has changed from itatennis.com to We Are College Tennis and trying to be a lot more fan-friendly with more stories, more <clears throat> recaps, uh, showcasing, um, you know, stories from all five divisions. I think sometimes when people talk about college tennis, they, they only think about, you know, the, the Stanfords or the UCLA's or the University of Georgia. It, it's not. It's, it's five divisions of, of college tennis. Ultimately, the ITA is the governing body of college tennis. Um, we're not, we're, we're, we've evolved uh, beyond uh, a coaches association. So, so we are trying to shepherd in the, the, the future of college tennis and make sure it's safe and make sure it's thriving um, in the years to come. And like you've alluded to, obviously we're in a crazy time uh, right now and we can get into that, that some more, but the ITA has, has a very robust um, awards uh, program. So we, you know, we do our All-American Awards, but we have various leadership awards. We have, um, you know, things like Player of the Year, Coach of the Year, Rookie of the Year. Um, we also obviously uh, have, have a number of sponsors. So so we have a director of, of, uh, of partnerships that uh, works on uh, our sponsors, such as Oracle and, and, and Wilson are two kind of leading sponsors, but several others in, in a number of different areas. Um, and then, yes, our membership benefits as well. I mean, things like the ITA convention, things around coach education. I've started, started a podcast myself to help with the, the peer-to-peer education and, and uh, Tennis for America, which is a, a year of service project, which we can chat about some more. Um, but then we also have our championships. So we have, uh, you know, four people on our championship staff. We run um, you know, we have regional events in the fall. I mean, most of most of our championships are in the fall where we have regional events. We have the All-American Championships, now men and women, which are both in Tulsa. We have um, a, a, an Oracle Masters out in Malibu where we invite the, from the Division One level, we invite the uh, top player from uh, each conference to come, uh, which is, is uh, has a mixed doubles component as well, which is pretty unique. We have our fall national championships, uh, which kind of crowns the, the fall individual uh, champion. Um, and then we have our national indoor championships. Uh, division one and three have been going on for, for many decades, and we just added a NCAA Division two national indoor championship this year where uh, we had eight men's teams and eight women's teams, the top teams from Division two, uh, come to Oklahoma City and, and uh, play for, for uh, the Division two uh, national championships there. So, um, so yeah, we we we've got our fingers in in a lot of things, and, and many of us wear a number of different caps. But um, yeah, it, it really is an organization that has has grown a great deal, and, and hopefully we'll continue to find ways to do so, and, and continue to to make college tennis sustainable here uh, through this challenging time and, and for decades to come. Well, let's pray that happens. I, I, which I have to wonder and ask you about the uh, COVID-19 uh, crisis that we have now and the impact on college uh, you know, sports. I had two grandsons, uh, and uh, unfortunately they didn't follow their grandfather or their uh, even their uh, mother or their father played uh, baseball. They're both uh, baseball uh, pitchers. They both think and hope they uh, have a future in 
of baseball, which I which I think is one of the reasons not that many people go into uh, tennis and uh, they choose the other sports because we don't provide as much opportunity. But I got to see mm-hmm. them both in Florida here because, as you know, uh, most of the northern teams start their season down here and they work their way back up north, especially in baseball. One right. pitches in Manhattan and the other one in uh, Mitchell College and uh, Connecticut. And, uh, you know, but unfortunately they both only uh, pitched in two games this year. And, uh, you know, the season is over. And, of course, on everybody's mind, not just their mind, our mind, their parents' mind, uh, what's going to happen, uh, you know, when we don't have the, my first coach in and my first love was basketball and the NCAA tournaments were so big. And, of course, in football, the amount of money that they give to, you know, the different conferences and everything. Are we going to be able to survive uh, with this now? Yeah, it's 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 a very scary time indeed, and there's so many unknowns as as uh, we move forward here, and and what is the summer going to bring, and and our campus is even going to open their doors to students uh, in the fall. I mean that that's you know uh, nobody's giving any guarantees that that uh, campuses and, and dormitories and classes are going to be conducted as normal. Um, I think everybody's hoping. I don't think anybody's made that decision yet. I, I just heard that the University of Purdue president is is guaranteeing everybody that their doors will be open and maybe other presidents will, will follow in, in his footsteps. We'll, we'll see. But, uh, I mean, that's the first uh, question we need to ask. And then if, if college campuses are open, uh, is football going to get played? And, and uh, ultimately, at, at, especially at the Division One level, um, you know, football is the is the income center, and if football doesn't get played, um, that's going to have serious uh, consequences for for all the other sports, uh, not just football, obviously. And if it does get played, are, are people going to be in in the stands? Are they going to be uh, sitting six seats apart? Um, you know, will will the sponsors uh, still stay engaged with it? Um, you know, uh, I'm, I'm sure it'll still run on television and still have a great audience there. So, um, but but there's a lot of unknowns, and and we, uh, as we sit here today, we we don't know how it's all going to play out. And um, I think at the moment, I think most most athletic directors, most athletic departments, college presidents, they're all hunkering down. I think. Um, I think in time of crisis, you know, in America, everybody comes together and, and tries to make things work. My, my concern is that we get to a year from now and we have a better sense of what the economic outlook is going forward. And it's at that point that college uh, athletic directors may uh, start look to cutting sports and, and they've done everything they can. They've taken pay cuts. They've done furloughs. They've uh, you know, cut budgets by 20% or whatever it is, uh, eliminated uh, certain travel uh, opportunities, spring breaks, and they've done all they can. They feel like they can't do do anything else. Um, that That's when we're going to find ourselves in trouble. I mean, the other thing that's come up that you may not know about is that uh, tw- at the Division One level, again, 27 of the con- of the 32 conference commissioners uh, are petitioning the NCA to reduce the number of sports required to be eligible for Division One from 16 down to 12. Now, if the NCA grants them uh, that ability, then they can start really going ahead and, and cutting sports aggressively. And it's it's where does uh, tennis sit on that uh, hierarchy and, and uh, how do um, uh, presidents and, and college uh, athletic directors, their board of trustees and all the rest of it, how, how do they view tennis and its place in the athletic department and on their campus? So, um, yeah, there's, there's, there's a lot of unknowns, but um, uh, we have to see how these next few months play out. Yeah, I've seen uh, one of the schools already. Uh, I, I think the University of Cincinnati was, but they dropped soccer. I'm I'm not positive it was University of Cincinnati, but I saw. No, this. you're you're right. 
you're right. It is University of Cincinnati. Um, I mean, I think some of the, the, the cancellations you're seeing now are are discussions that had already been had over the last several months or years about cutting particular um, programs with, with that soccer program. It sounds like Cincinnati are trying to get ready for a move to the Big 12 and um, they don't sponsor soccer. So it seemed like soccer was a, a school or a, a program that they could cut. Um, but but we don't know. No, nobody's clarified that. But it is, it is, uh, it is concerning when you see cuts at the Division Two level. There's been uh, six programs cancelled or cut in, in about the last seven days. Um, so I, I'm really concerned about Division Two right now and and the trend that we're seeing here in just the last week. Um, Division Three because they don't offer scholarships are, are going to be probably the, the healthiest of anybody. Um, but obviously, they also rely heavily on, on donors um, to, to step up uh, to, to help their, their finance their programs. So, um, yeah, Division Two tennis is, is what I'm really worried about uh, as of today. Well, boy, yeah, but a lot of the uh, Division uh, Three and uh, below, they don't even. Uh, well, I'm thinking of my. Uh, Grandson at Mitchell College, uh, you know, they have an outstanding baseball team, but they don't even have a tennis team there. Um, uh, but is that uh, is that the norm or is that unusual? That's unusual. No, there's there's a very healthy number of, of tennis programs at Division Three level, and and um, yeah, some some very good players there. Obviously, some amazing schools uh, at the Division Three and very uh, well recognized academic institutions. They've they've just got a different model. They're more in line with the with the European model um, of of not offering scholarships um, to uh, to their their student athletes, and and uh, but a higher percentage of their their student body are, are usually made up of student athletes compared to the Division One or Division Two, where it's usually a very right. high percentage of their 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 student population. Okay, yeah, yeah, I know. I noticed that uh, when I was up in uh, New London last year, it, it seemed like a big part of their population was, uh, you know, athletic. Uh, population in the school and the, you know beautiful facilities mm-hmm. and everything but uh, mm-hmm. now let me ask you a question what you're looking to do is now and encouraging you know, more tennis and is that going to be similar uh, for instance my grandsons they play they go out and play uh, baseball uh, for and, you know, well, they're, right now they're scheduled to go to Minnesota this uh, summer to play. You know, and they're they're looking for a major league team to see mm-hmm. them, and uh, you know they're they're hoping that they're going to uh, you know be able to play major league baseball. What you're doing is not at that level, though. You're just looking to encourage more tennis play all around, right? Uh, yeah, I mean, we're, we, like I said, we, we do a lot of things for, for college programs. We're kind of the glue that, that keeps it together and, and uh, you know, our, our uh, rankings especially, and we take all the results and, and we are the, the data repository for, for all the results of college tennis. And the NCAA actually use our rankings for, for the tournament selection. We're one of the few sports or a few associations that the NCAA actually looks to us for our rankings and, and uh, rulemaking as well, uh, whereas most sports are, are governed uh, completely by the NCAA. So, um, you know, we're, we're obviously want to, we promote college tennis every chance we get, but we don't uh, have any input as to decisions players are making about turning pro or, um, you know, uh, we, anything along those lines by any means. I mean, everything we do is, is college related. Um, definitely some, some of the top college players, they, their uh, their institutions are willing for that to to pay for them to to play pro events in the fall and some in the spring as well, um, but uh, we're 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 not in that business by any means, uh, nor nor do we intend to. That's the 
the the ITF and then the the governing uh, bodies in in each country to to uh, focus on that system, and then obviously ultimately the ATP and and WTA tours as well. I see. Okay. Um, what, what do you think is going to happen? Again, it's probably too early to ask you, and unfair, but. Being we're all talking about opinions now because we don't know. Um, mm-hmm. We don't know what's going to happen with the future of recruiting uh, right now. But what do you think and what do you try to do to give these athletes the best chance, and especially mm-hmm. my own bias and uh, tennis, you know, how do you help them, you know, place them on a college team and get ready for their future? What are the things that you recommend and what are the things that you're looking to do to yeah. help? Yeah, no, good question. We're, we're, I mean, one of the things we've started doing since I came on board is, is try to do uh, some some coaches panels. So when we were out in, in Chicago for the, the national indoors earlier this summer, we had a, a panel of coaches and, and parents, players and coaches were able to come and, and listen to them talk about, um, you know, their, their divisions, um, you know, uh, what's kind of the rules and, and regulations and, and recruiting uh, schedules and, and calendars and things like that. We, we did it in, in, um, Newport Beach last last fall as well, and had had about 150 or so um, uh, people show up for that, which w- was amazing. And and so we're trying to get more involved with of actually just complete completed um, uh, working on kind of a guidebook for for uh, prospective student athletes and their parents and their coaches. So like a step by step guidebook where they can download it from our our website and and learn exactly how um to you know how to put together a letter how to you know put together a video what they need to do with the nca taking the sat um some of the things about official visits unofficial visits so that should be up on our website at some point this summer uh which i think will be very helpful it's free of charge nobody has to pay anything for anything and any of it but it just uh really makes clear so there's no you know there's lots of myths out there and uh, people aren't sure where to where to find the advice, and, and there's advice all over the place. So I've tried to collate all that into one place. So I think this is going to be a very helpful document. And um, we're actually doing another. Uh, we're partnering with the UTR on May fourth uh, at 3 p.m. Eastern. We're doing a webinar where we're going to have uh, a coach from each division, and uh, our CEO Tim Russell is going to moderate a conversation with them and talk about, uh, you know, recruiting and and um, kind of the future of college tennis as well. And and uh, I think that would be a, a fascinating. Um, uh, webinar for for people to tune in uh, for. So if, if you need links or anything to that, let me know, Nice, and I'll send those on to you. But in terms of what you know, how this has all shifted recruiting uh, in in general. I mean, the NCA has awarded a year of eligibility back um, to to every from for all spring sports uh, for those athletes that that lost um, that uh, the remainder of their their college season. So. Um, different universities are, are dealing with it in different ways. There, there are some. The athletic departments are willing to pay for those that want to come back. Uh, some are, are leaving it up to the coach to, to figure it out and maybe fundraise. Uh, and others just, uh, you know, they can't find a way to make it happen, and, and it won't happen. But um, that's obviously going to change because even those freshmen now get that year of eligibility back. The sophomores get that year of eligibility back. So, like I spoke to a coach yesterday who who basically said, as we were talking about savings and, and things of that nature, I mean, one of the, the points he brought up was that, well, he doesn't really need a recruiting budget for the next couple of years because all those positions that he was going to be recruiting for, those players have already agreed to come back and, and uh, use that extra year of eligibility. So that reduces the scholarship opportunities out there for, for junior players, Um you know, for for these next several years, I, I I thought it was a very hasty decision by the NCA. I thought it was it looked good publicly. It looked good because people were saying, um, you know, we we uh, these students should get their year of eligibility back, and and it's, it, it looks on the surface like a, a nice decision and doing right by the student athletes. But the the uh, the long term consequences of that 
decision are going to reduce the opportunities for for future generations of tennis players and baseball players, softball players, track and field, golf, all, all those spring sports uh, that got that year of eligibility back. So that is something that I think um, junior players, coaches, parents need to be very aware of going forward and understand that that space is going to become even more competitive um, here in the next few years. Uh, so it's uh it's a trying time on a number of levels and I, and I feel for those uh you know kind of 15 16 17 year old tennis players that are now going to be looking for for college scholarships i mean the other part of it as well if if those opportunities are reduced plus programs um you know begin to be be cancelled again you have that squeeze even more um you know as as we sit here today that's that's not necessarily happening but it it could happen here in the years to come yeah, I think there's so many challenges you, you're going to have. I think what you're doing is fantastic because I think we have to get the – I love the idea of the webinar, and I am interested in uh, that there. But the, the, getting the parents, to, you know, involved uh, with the coaches, and the, uh, I know that, um, for instance, it's good to know you have your eligibility back. Uh, I agree with you. I thought that was a little too fast. I know it was one of the questions. I know there's some people like, you know, truthfully, I think one of the two of my grandsons uh, looks like has a better shot. And, uh, you know, him thinking, well, I'm not even going to be around for I'll be drafted by then. Well, you know, <laughs> I, I yeah. can't. In the pain of the ass that I am as a grandfather, I keep reminding him of his studies and how important that is, and you don't know what the Almighty has planned. So I, I the other thing, though, as a parent, I, I see it, uh, you know, what do you do to these people that have in the dorms, that have furnitures in the dorms, now the dorms are closed, like in uh, one of my uh, grandsons at Manhattan College, that's all locked up. They don't want nobody in there. And I just, you know, I've already told my daughter, you know, if we have to lose everything there, we'll lose it. But don't go. If they tell you to come down now and pick it up, we ain't coming down until this is over with. But, you know, there's just so many questions that I, I think have to be answered. And in high school, which I was involved with 20 years, you know, the problem is in trying to organize like I did and get people ready for colleges, every state has their own rules. You're only mm -hmm. dealing with three uh, basic divisions now. Well, I should say that you're doing more than that, four. We're doing but five. it isn't that you're dealing with uh, every state. Uh, that has their own rules, what they're going. But uh, people, there's so much rumors out there, and, you know, it's nice to have some place that you can go to. And uh, mm -hmm. I compliment you for what you're doing. I think this is so important uh, right now. Thank you. Yeah, no, I think it's uh, anything we can do, um yeah, I mean, again, it, it wasn't something that, that the ITA w was charged with. It's just uh, I think it's a space that we we feel like we're uniquely positioned to, to really give, um, you know, the most up-to-date information uh, and uh, most relevant information that that, uh, that high school prospects need to, need to know. So, um, yeah, hopefully we can we can put more energy there in, in the uh, in the years to come as well. Yeah. Yeah, I think peer-to-peer -peer education is so important, and uh, um, you know, and, and there's a learning curve to go go through right now. Fortunately, with younger people like you, it's easier for me. Uh, uh, I have a belief that computers don't like me. Uh, I've been told to go on other. Uh, if I switch networks, I could do this, that, and the other thing, which means that you know. Uh, I have a hard time getting my broadcast up <laughs> and out to people. That's a whole learning curve. That's uh, tough yeah. for me, but fortunately, uh, most of the uh, colleges out there are a lot younger than me. But tell me a little bit more about uh, 
you know, developing the podcast and everything and what you have to do to get, you know, to get them on. Mm. Yeah, no, it's it's been a it's been a fun project. I mean, as as a college coach, I felt like like you said, the peer to peer. I just learned so much from my peers, and and uh, yeah, you know, the experts uh, are great, and you go to various different conventions and conferences, and you can always pick something up from from anybody. But there was nothing like just sitting around with a group of other college coaches and and picking each other's brains and getting each other's ideas and and opinions. So. Um, I thought the podcast, I, I enjoy listening to podcasts myself. And um, so we thought, uh, you know, let's let's give this a go and, and maybe do 10 episodes and, and see if the, the coaches engage with it. So it was really just, um, yeah, just, just uh, interviewing uh, other, other college coaches, obviously from the perspective of a former college coach myself. And uh, I know these coaches well and, and some of the things that some of, you know, their, their strengths. So what I'm trying to do is pull out their strengths and uh, some of their ideas and, and areas they've had success in and, um, you know, uh, share that with, with our, our coaching audience. So um, it really is built for, for college coaches. I mean, it's, it's great that we're, we're hearing about uh, other tennis coaches and, and, you know, college tennis alumni and things like that are now engaging with it too, which is amazing, but it, it's, it's never going to be, that's never going to be the reason why we do it. It's always going to be for, for our coaches and, and hopefully they're, they're, uh, we'll continue to get some value out of it. So I think I have about um, 18 or so re- recorded. We're going to go through a uh, first season through the end of June. We've released them every, every second week. And, and we now have them on, on iTunes, on, on Spotify, um, on Podbean, um, so so uh, fortunately we do have a, a marketing staff here, Coach Denise. So I I don't I don't work on the technical side of things. I just come up with the questions and interview the guests, and then hand over the recording to uh, to the expert who really knows what to do with it and edit it and and upload it on iTunes. If I had to do that, I'd be uh, uh, I don't know. I'd be, I'd be still working on the first episode, probably. So it's it's good to see how it's evolved. <laughs> well, I'm sure I'm sure it's going to evolve uh, good. But I tell you, I, I I will recommend two coaches uh, to you that if you could. I don't know if you heard last week's uh, broadcast when I had Coach Bobby Bayless on. Mm-hmm. Uh, the ex Navy and Notre Dame coach, but his knowledge yeah. and his book, I think, is a great uh, book for people if you want to right. know what the college experience is. If you get uh, yeah. have him on, and then the other uh, person is uh, Coach Chuck Reese, but I was coaching mm-hmm. high school, uh, coaching tennis. His book. Uh, every one of anybody that was one of my associates was given that book. It was just a must read yeah. to, uh, oh, to yeah. learn. It's incredible. And there's two, yeah, and no. these two individuals are kind of opposites, but it reminds <laughs> me, you know, I was coming from a basketball background. My two loves was uh, Bobby Knight from Indiana and. Um, uh, yeah, if you forget my short-term memory, uh, uh, the UCLA uh, coach, Coach Wooden, and John Dr. Alan Fox always said, John, we got to do a test on you. They're, so, they're two opposites. And, you know, they're, they seem to be opposites, but I don't think they really were. I think it was the love they had, the passion, and the knowledge of mm-hmm. Coaching and that coaching was more was about coaching the game you're in, but it's also about coaching people for life, and you know mm-hmm. you're coaching the individuals. So if you have uh, room, I would definitely recommend both of those uh, people. Yeah. Well, well, no, de- definitely. I do actually have a list of, of retired coaches as well, and, and both those guys are on the list. Obviously, two legends of, of, of the game and. It's been uh, great. I, I did get to reconnect with, with Bobby recently, and uh, Chuck Creasy actually was was the coach at, at Clemson for my coach in Ireland, Owen Casey. Um, so a lot of uh, of his methods uh, I learned, not knowing that they'd come through uh, Coach Creasy until I was uh, I was much older. 
Um, so so I, I absolutely will will be interviewing both those guys. Um, one of the, the the legendary coaches I actually did just interview is uh, Coach Dick Gould at, at Stanford. Um, so oh, he's going to be the yeah. he's coming up uh, yeah. shortly. But but I, I will absolutely get to to both Bobby and, and uh, Chuck and, and excited to to do so at, at a later date. Well, there's nothing, uh, but you're keeping good company with the legend, Coach Gould. I mean, uh, these are uh, porn people. I am uh, a big believer uh, that we, uh, you know, repetition and competition is, uh, they're not dirty words. And uh, my own bias, I'm a history buff. So, uh, you know, I think we all stand on the shoulders of other people, but the lessons that mm-hmm. we can learn by, you know, studying history, and, and they're no different, I think, in tennis than they are in life. We have about right. eight minutes left, and I'm going to turn that mm-hmm. over to you. So tell whatever you have on your mind, how to contact mm-hmm. you, what you think we should be doing. Um, go ahead, and I'll listen in. Okay. Yeah, well, um yeah, like I said, the, the ITA is at, at uh, wearecollegetennis.com. So if, if people want to get some updates, maybe look at, at the rankings, maybe look at the archived rankings, um, you know, they can they can see uh, a lot of the history of college tennis on there as well and any links, any updates, any upcoming tournaments. Um, I think, uh, you know, there, there's a lot there. We have the summer circuit that we hope is is going to go ahead this summer. Uh, this is um, uh, again something that was created many years ago by by David Benjamin and a number of other coaches, where uh, just trying to get more inclusive play, having opportunities for college players in the summer. So the summer circuits are are uh, events that take place on college campuses all over the country. Um, really, uh, you know, whether it's a, a college player or a uh, alumnus or a junior player or uh, an old guy like me that still likes to play, uh, we can you can enter and and play. So all those details are up on on uh, wearecollegetennis.com. Another project I'm working on is, is Tennis for America, uh, which is a year of service program for for former college tennis players, which we're hoping to launch in in June, um, where we've earmarked uh, we've got funding from from uh, the federal government. To, um, to launch these uh, AmeriCorps Vistas uh, at sites around the country. Um, so that's something if, if people want more information on, they can go to uh, www.tennisforamerica.com and learn more uh, about that project. Um, uh, I can be contacted at, at dmullins at itatennis.com. Uh, I'm on Twitter. Uh, I should know my, my name. I don't know what it is on Twitter. D Mullins ITA Tennis at Twitter or something like that. I'm on Facebook, LinkedIn. Uh, I could do a better job with social media, but if, if people do want to contact me, if they have questions uh, about college tennis, if they have questions about the recruiting process, um, they need uh, more information. They want to know what colleges are, are maybe close to them and who has programs and where can they go watch some, some college tennis. But any any um, you know anybody that does have a connection to college tennis maybe played college tennis or had students that that did so uh, you know college tennis needs you at the moment that and it is a, a scary time as we've talked about um, throughout this conversation that uh, there's a lot of uncertainty about the future and and we need to make sure that that college tennis is um, you know uh, one of the the top priorities for athletic departments we're never going to be football or basketball but but how do we uh, make ourselves as relevant as possible if the NCA decides to reduce from from 16 to 12 and and so it's going to be those fans of college tennis um coming together and, and finding ways to uh, support their coach support their program uh in each of their individual communities so that that would be uh, my ask you know if you can touch base with whether it's your former coach or or a coach at a former program that you've played at um so give them a call or shoot them an email, see if there's anything you can do to help. It doesn't always need to be financial. It might be that you know somebody that that uh, might be able to make a call on, on uh, the program's behalf and put it in the ear of a university president or, or athletic director and 
uh, make them know why college tennis is so special because there's there's so many amazing things and, and incredible stories from college tennis that uh, I'm sure many of your listeners can can uh, agree to. So so that that would be it from my end. Well, thank you. I know I told you when uh, I talked to you uh, a month ago, whenever it was, that this wasn't an I got you program and I wasn't going to put you on the spot. Uh, I want to ask you for advice. I don't want to, I hate to go back on my word, but I'm in a quarry <laughs> right now. And I want you know, if you would answer it, good. If you don't want to answer it, that's all right, too. Mm-hmm. But, uh uh, I started the first part of a three-part article for Florida Tennis Magazine on college tennis. And there's been discussions, pros and cons going on, as you know, the last couple of months. And I just asked people, you know, it's all right to be critical. Everybody has an opinion, you know, just don't be vulgar sure. and be prepared for your statements. Uh, mm-hmm. Truthfully speaking, I talked to Jim Marks, a founder and editor, and uh, – and there's two sides to, I've asked him, you know, I think I'd rather the next issue come up with another story because I think we don't know what's going to happen to college tennis right now. And I don't mm-hmm. know if what I have is relevant. And, and of course, the, down, the other side is that is we have told people this is going to be a three-part. I've interviewed a lot of college coaches and everything, uh, doing it, we've had three, we've had four, we've had five broadcasts uh, on this subject. Uh, mm-hmm. What is your opinion? Should I go to the, to the next two parts, this part two and part three, or do I write another article on another subject? No, I, I think. Look, I mean the the pros and cons of, of college tennis can can absolutely be put out there. I mean. Just uh, if, if you have questions about, about the accuracy of certain things, you can always uh, yeah contact me and I can put you in touch with the right person if you're looking to do some research or need clarification on anything. But I think the more we can draw attention to college tennis right now and, and uh, have, uh, you know, put it on the forefront of, of people's minds, especially w- within the tennis industry, uh, the better. Look, t- tennis, college tennis isn't going to stop tomorrow by any means i mean yes uh there's some programs division two programs being cut right now um you know i'm sure there'll be more more cuts coming in in tennis and and many other non-revenue sports uh in in the months to come and the years to come but uh you know there's there's uh you know over 2000 uh college programs out there they're they're going to exist in in some form of manner um, like I said, Division Three is, is probably the safest because they don't have the expenditure of, of the, the scholarships. Um, but uh, no, it's it's can we can we weather this this yeah, really bad storm that we're going through right now and, and find a way to come out of it here in the next couple of years? Where um, you know can we be in a position where maybe we have reinvented ourselves? Where uh, college tennis is is um, you know uh, stronger than ever and, and finding ways that we're actually adding programs. Um, so I mean, over the last three years, I think 24, 23 programs have been added and 24 programs have been dropped. Um, so we're we're almost even, but that number is going to shift now a little bit. But no, absolutely. Continue to write about college tennis. Continue to to promote it in in, in any way you can with with having guests on your show um, that can can talk about um, the realities of college tennis, the good, the good, the bad, the ugly, and and everything in between. But there's a far more positive stories from it than than negative. Okay. Well, I appreciate your opinion. It gives us gives me something to think about. Like I said, uh, when I figured, you know, finished the project, uh, I have more questions than answers, but uh, maybe that will just be my final st- statement in part three. <laughs> well, I don't know if you heard that, but we're coming to the end. I only have 50 seconds, and I have to remind the people that next uh, Thursday, I'm blessed to have uh, Linda LeClaire, and uh, her husband, uh, Dr. Bryce Young, 
uh, on the program they are returning. Uh, I missed the uh, PTR symposium this year, so I missed their presentation, um, and there's nothing like attending it, but uh, finding out what they're doing I think is important for all of us. Uh, coaching from love is a lot uh, better than uh, coaching from frustration, so I suspect we'll have a good broadcast. Dave, I thank you for taking the time out of your busy schedule. And if there's anything I could do to help you, uh, please let me know. And let's stay in touch. And uh, by all means, let me know about the uh, what uh, you know broad podcast you're doing because I would like to put it on the right. sites that I'm associated with and let them know. Thank you. Yeah, no, great. Thanks for, for your support. Thanks for having me on. Really appreciate it. Keep up the great work and, and everything you're doing for for the sport of tennis. So uh, hope to see you in person at some time sooner rather than later. Yeah, hopefully sooner. And who knows, maybe in Dublin. But uh, yeah. I think my wife's already told me we got to go in the summer. So she's, <laughs> she's ready. But I'm not sure we'll go this summer. Oops, we lost him. He actually coached in uh, Dublin at a, at a club, and he actually said, uh, you know, they had small clubs uh, there, but, you know, they had pretty good junior p- programs, but once you get through junior tennis, With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.